life. It's important. It's one of the most important things. Obviously, when life is at stake, anything can happen. When uh, a few months back, I think it was uh, ooh, an early part of uh, early part of December. Uh, there were a lot of people who were watching this one game out in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and a pass was thrown from one football player to another. The defensive player came in, they made the tackle, and then the guy got up. Everybody did. And the young man wearing a number three stood up and he collapsed. And something strange happened. Medical staff from the teams, both teams, and including EMS personnel, ran on the field. His heart had stopped beating. He was suffering from cardiac arrest. They had to perform CPR. All his teammates and even people from the other team came out to, you know, they didn't want to see this scene on their football field during a game. It was a game after all. Many of the people on the teams were actually friends and had known each other. Many of them were, you know, uh, opponents, but not enemies. It was just a game. And at the end of the day, the young man, well, the story is best told this way. By a radio broadcaster and sideline announcer for WGR Radio, Sal Capascio, who uh, has a radio show in the city of Buffalo and covers the team that the young man, DeMar Hamlin, was playing for the Buffalo Bills. Here's Sal's take. So, whenever you have an injury like this and someone's down, the first thing is that neck, you know, you know, you don't think of this kind of thing, right? The, when I saw him collapse, because I saw him collapse, and we didn't know who it was initially, what I saw was a guy standing, standing up and then just fall down. You guys have seen, seen the video. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know. We're, we're trying to communicate on the radio broadcast. Like, who is it? What's going on? And I, I thought maybe he, there had to be somebody with a concussion. Like, why would you collapse like that? Yeah. So we're trying to figure it out. The first thing I saw was, and when you, when you see this, you know something's really awful. When you see the other team that's close by just calling for medical personnel right mm-hmm. away. Right? That's what's happening. Bam, all of a sudden, Cincinnati players, bam, bam, just calling for medical personnel. And <clears throat> then you see the... Bengals medical team and the Bills medical team rush out there. And then whenever there's an injury like this with the head or the neck, you, you always get guys who are praying, who are on a knee, who are emotional about it. That's, that's kind of standard. You know, they know. They know there's so much risk here. We saw this with Dane Jackson. So that part of it wasn't an initial shock necessarily. You know what I mean? Because you're used to seeing that. Sure. Then you start to see it start to ramp up a little bit. And I remember... Just a couple of people, like Ed Oliver, for example. Ed Oliver was, like, kind of beside himself. Like, he he was looking up in the air, and he was he was talking to himself, and he was emotional. And I'm like, okay, th- you know, he's seeing something that's bad out there. And when then they had the people around him, and I could tell they were working on something. And I thought to myself, are they giving him CPR? But then I thought, are they? I thought maybe they're cutting off his face mask. You know how you do that sometimes to stay right? right? Which I they didn't did anyway. They, they did have to remove his helmet. Yeah, right. Okay, right. okay, thank you. I didn't know because they I did. couldn't see. But yeah. I, but here's the moment that it really made it where you knew something 
completely awful was going on. Every single person on the Bills sideline, I don't know if TV caught this or not, I'm sure at some point they did. Every single person on the Bills sideline went out to the field and formed this massive circle with their backs to DeMar and the medical staff and their fronts to the fans so that no one could see in. I've never seen anything like that. And they did it, I think, to protect what was happening inside that area. And that told me there's something awful going on in there. and They don't want anybody to know what's going on. And while that was happening, guys were bawling and holding each other and hugging each other and holding each other's hands. And that's what he knew. And, and we're talking with the media, and that's when I saw Damar's mom, the story I just gave you, because there's nobody there, right? We're, um, there was nobody left there. I'm talking with other media, and we were asking each other, did you see it's like CPR? And then someone said, well, ESPN is now reporting that. And we kind of knew what was going on there. And then as they got him in the ambulance, they dispersed. Now you saw the tr- like these guys were, and I, I think it was Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson had a towel on his face, and he couldn't stop crying, and a coach was hugging him. And those are the kinds of things that will just make you say, these guys are, we see them as the larger than life, tougher than life people. That they're playing this sport that's so violent and you have to be so tough and go through anything. And now you realize like it brings the human element so close that these are human beings, that they're brother and they're watching this happen. And it's, it's so hard for them right now. Sal, before my next question, let me just preface it for folks to have a, a little bit of an explanation before I ask you this. Sal travels. The media do not travel on the charter, but the team broadcasters travel on the charter. And please correct me, Sal, if I get any of this wrong. So Sal is a member of the media, but there's also a code, if you will. We are pretty much we know not to ask Sal about some of the things you might see on a charter flight because you are not media members are not allowed on the plane. Having said that, I will ask you this. If you cannot answer it or you're not supposed to or whatever, you please let me know. Can you tell us anything about what the flight home was like? Or is that, you know, out of bounds? The only thing I'll tell you, which is not, I would say, out of bounds, is it was just a very quiet flight. But I would also tell you that generally if you played a night game anywhere after the game, <laughs> win or lose, it's going to be a quiet flight. People yeah. are getting sleep. They're doing work. That's that's the extent of what I'll I'll tell you it was like. But that scene was not just something that people saw there and then. It was something that went far beyond the there and the then. It was something that became national. You know, the other day there was a, a walk for life. There was a march for life. Do you know that in the United States of America, where we condemn brutally in the most vehement way a regime that ruled Germany during World War II, the Nazis, for their murder of six million Jews and two million other people in concentration camps and their brutal treatment of people, massacres that took place throughout that war so many years ago in Europe. And we think about it through history as probably one of the worst examples of inhumanity of man against man throughout time. Mankind's saddest moment. Yet, 64 million Americans were never born in these United States because, well, for reasons of 
Some people just felt it was inconvenient. Yes, there were some cases where a mother's life was at stake and that's why abortion was performed. But the vast majority of the cases, probably 99% of the 64 million abortion cases that took place over the last 50 years, from 1973 when Roe v. Wade became a law or became the law of the land or the policy of the land through a court action until it was overturned in 2022. And in the final ruling and assumption, it showed that life was more important according to the Supreme Court and that the law that was cited was wrong. Some of the justices, of course, dissented. Some of the dissenting opinions were against it. Anyhow, this march for life took place. Jean-Pierre something-something, she's a spokesperson at the White House. Lady who's not quite a lady. A lady who has her own personal choices in life that many of us would disagree with, uh, particularly in some faiths, and call us sin. In fact, that's what the Pope calls it. Um, Well, she's the spokesperson of that White House that has basically become an abomination as far as many people find in history. And let's listen to what the White House had to say about this March for Life and this protest about the 64 million Americans who've died because the Democrat Party doesn't want people to be inconvenienced and because an abortionist group donates tens of millions of dollars every year and basically what are kickbacks from government payments for medical procedures that should not be paid for by public funds and it's probably America's saddest moment here's a period John whatever her name is when we disagree with it clearly it is not uh, it is it is not an issue in their point of view we do not agree with uh, look because the president believes that it is it is critical uh, the, it is a critical pillar of democracy to do that in a peaceful way to march uh, and so of course we support that uh, but that said you know uh, we uh, you know we want to make sure that we continue to underscore uh, the ongoing attacks on women's rights to make their health their own health care decision this is something that the Biden Biden Harris administration has taken very seriously uh, this is something that you have heard us take action executive action on and this is something that an issue that we're going to continue to ask Congress uh, to make sure that they take actions on this as well as we go into the next couple of days uh, into the what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Uh, so this is an important issue, a critical issue. Let's not forget uh, in the during the midterms, voters made themselves very clear. They want us to make sure here in Congress and at the White House and the federal government that we protect uh, our people's rights. Yeah, and they want to see that. Uh, and so uh, that is how we see the March, uh, March for Life. Again, we support peaceful a uh, peaceful uh, uh, speech, free of speech, peaceful march, uh, even though we don't agree uh, with their with their particular policy or issue. Life, it's important. It's one of the most important things. Obviously, when life is at stake, anything can happen. When uh, a few months back, I think it was. Uh, early part of uh, 
early part of December. Uh, there were a lot of people who were watching this one game out in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And pass was thrown from one football player to another. The defensive player came in, they made the tackle, and then the guy got up. Everybody did. And the young man wearing a number three stood up and he collapsed. And something strange happened. Medical staff from teams, both teams, and including EMS personnel, ran on the field. His heart had stopped beating. He was suffering from cardiac arrest. They had to perform CPR. All his teammates and even people from the other team came out to, you know, they didn't want to see this scene on their football field during a game. It was a game after all. Many of the people on the teams were actually friends and had known each other. Many of them were, you know, uh, opponents, but not enemies. It was just a game. And at the end of the day, the young man, well, story is best told this way. By a radio broadcaster and sideline announcer for WGR Radio, Sal Capascio, who uh, has a radio show in uh, City of Buffalo and covers the team that the young man, Damar Hamlin, was playing for the Buffalo Bills. Here's Sal's take. But that scene was not just something that people saw there and then. It was something that went far beyond the there and the then. It was something that became national. You know, the other day there was a, a walk for life. There was a march for life. Do you know that in the United States of America where we condemn brutally in the most vehement way a regime that ruled Germany during World War II, the Nazis, for their murder of six million Jews and two million other people in concentration camps and their brutal treatment of people, massacres that took place throughout that war so many years ago in Europe. And we think about it through history as probably one of the worst examples of inhumanity of man against man throughout time. Mankind's saddest moment. Yet, 64 million Americans were never born in these United States because, well, for reasons of some people just felt it was inconvenient. Yes, there were some cases where a mother's life was at stake and that's why abortion was performed. But the vast majority of the cases, probably 99% of the 64 million abortion cases that took place over the last 50 years, from 1973 when Roe v. Wade became a law or became the law of the land or the policy of the land through a court action until it was overturned in 2022. And in the final ruling and assumption, it showed that life was more important, according to the Supreme Court, and that the law that was cited was wrong. 
Some of the justices, of course, dissented. Some of the dissenting opinions were against it. Anyhow, this March for Life took place. Jean-Pierre something-something, she's a spokesperson at the White House. A lady who's not quite a lady, a lady who has her own personal choices in life that many of us would disagree with, uh, particularly in some faiths, and call us sin. In fact, that's what the Pope calls it. Um, Well, she's the spokesperson of that White House that has basically become an abomination as far as many people find in history. And let's listen to what the White House had to say about this March for Life and this protest about the 64 million Americans who've died because the Democrat Party doesn't want people to be inconvenienced and because an abortionist group donates tens of millions of dollars every year in basically what are kickbacks from government payments for medical procedures that should not be paid for by public funds. And it's probably America's saddest moment. Here's a period, John, whatever her name is. That was the White House press secretary, Jean-Pierre, Pierre, John, whatever. But now let's listen to a football coach. You know, he took up this issue and talked about it when he joined the March for Life. And he was talking about life and its importance. And how a nation joined together for life. Let's listen here. As I've said, life is important. Marching for it, fighting for it, hoping for it, and of course the most important thing that all Americans showed on one night watching Monday Night Football, they prayed for it. There's still hope for America. Yes, it's kind of ironic. The Buffalo Bills didn't win. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But in the game of life, they turned out the winner because they prayed for life. They came together for life. They fought for life. At the end of the day, they may have lost the game and didn't get a chance to get to the championship. But to the people of Buffalo, to the people of America, they are champions. Champions in the game of life. I'm Mike of New York, proud follower of the Buffalo Bills online as a fan I used to play football when I was in high school something that's important to me every year I watch this team and sometimes they don't make it my eyesight is getting worse as many of you know I have a severe glaucoma and slowly my eyes are fading away I don't know if I'll ever see the Buffalo Bills make it to the Super Bowl but as far as I'm concerned seeing Demora Hamlin standing and making a sign of hearts and thanking people for prayers and seeing the players come together and remembering that life is the most important thing and hearing it said over and over again is more important. As we recap and think about all these things, we try and remember what is important in this world. We look at all of these, you know, major events and we try and remember exactly 
why America chose life. Because after all, it is a country dedicated to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We don't always get there, but we try and pursue it as much as we can. Because that is what makes us champions in this world and games that we play in life. Lachai, to life. Walk for it, fight for it, defend it, always. Have a great day. I'm Mike K. Cohen, Mike of New York. God bless you. God bless these United States of America. And remember, in Jesus' name, fight for life always. Thank you for listening. Hey, thank you so much. It is great to be here. Can't tell you how much excitement Lauren and I have to be here today. Even though this march is taking place right at the biggest time of my profession, the NFL playoffs, this is way, way, way more important. It's amazing to me that God actually used football to shine some light on the subject of life for all of us. Three weeks ago, during a game in Cincinnati, something happened that impacted our entire country. A young man named DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills made a routine tackle and his heart stopped beating right on the field. It could have been tragic, but something miraculous happened. The team medical staff rushed out. They got DeMar's heart started again. But you know what? That wasn't the miracle. The real miracle was the reaction of everyone to that. The announcers on the broadcast, what did they say? All we can do is pray. And all across the country, people started praying. Laura and I, we were having dinner with friends of ours, and we stopped what we were doing, and we prayed right there. The Bills players played right, prayed right on the spot. Now, usually when that happens, the cameras cut away from that because we don't like to see that. Back when I was coaching in the 1990s, a few Christian players got together and they said, we want to pray after the games. And we actually got a memo from the NFL office that said, don't let your players do that. If you do, you'll be fined because that's not appropriate. Can you believe that? that that's a true story. But last week or three weeks ago, everybody on that field was praying. And it continued the next week. At every stadium in the NFL, teams got together and prayed, and it was amazing. Well, those prayers were answered. DeMar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake and people wanted to see that life saved. Even people who aren't necessarily religious got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging to us because that's exactly why we're here today. Because every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. And the only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete 
and they're not seen on national TV. But those lives are still important to God and in God's eyes. Psalm 139 tells us that God is watching every one of these young bodies as they're growing in their mother's womb because he placed them there. Now we know that there are a lot of people in this country that don't believe that. They don't see these babies as being important. They don't even see them as lies. So what can we do about that? Well, I think we have to take a lesson from Damar's story. We have to pray. We need to pray with the same fervor that we prayed with during that week because God answers prayer and he will answer these prayers to save these precious unborn lives as we go forward. So if we do our part, we'll save more and more of these lives. But that can't be the end of the story. When God does give us more of these lives, what are we going to do to nurture these children and help them grow? Please welcome my, my wife, Lauren, as she gives you some answers to that question. But now let's listen to, you know, he took up this issue and talked about it when he joined the March for Life. And he was talking about life and its importance. And how a nation joined together for life. Let's listen here. So hopefully you'll bear with me. Give me some grace. But let's get to it. God is real. How do I know this? <laughs> I'm not him. I'm not the real Jesus. Let's just get that out of the way. TV Jesus. Real Jesus. TV Jesus. Jim Caviezel movie Jesus. TV Jesus. God is real and he is completely in love with each and every one of you. How do I know this? Is it simply because my faith is the lens through which I view the whole of my reality? No. Is it because of the miracles that I have experienced in my own life and seen with my own eyes for which my faith has been the catalyst? Again, no. God is real and he is completely in love with you because you are all here today. History has been made. Life has triumphed in an extraordinary way. And the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, the author of life, his light has burned so very brightly within each and every one of you, irrespective of your specific beliefs, compelling you forward for one reason or another to stand together today and fight the noblest and worthiest cause possible, which is to allow the unborn the right to enter into the world and defeat those earthly forces that wish to destroy the very evidence of them. You have chosen to journey to our nation's capital today, not only to mourn the 64 million children lost through abortion over the last 50 years, but to champion those yet to be born on the road to their own birth, made in the image of the Creator himself, and to testify to the miraculous sanctity of life itself, as expressed in the divine poetry of Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts, 
You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my eyes unformed. You saw your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Having lived under a grim cloud of darkness for the last 50 years, the world has once again been given a glimmer of hope, and I pray that with this recent step in protecting life, despite the grievous nature of what we've allowed, that God might still look upon us in his infinite mercy and see the hearts of those of us here in support of life today and say to us in this hour, it is good. And it is good, but it is far from finished. Newton's law of motion says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. This also applies to the spiritual realm. Having played the Son of God for the last three seasons on a television show you may have heard of called The Chosen, I've spent a lot of time dwelling in the realm of spirit through prayer, meditation, and the sacraments of my faith. Let me tell you, it changes you from the inside out, and that's a good thing. But it can be scary because you see, you begin to see the truth manifest itself in all areas of your life, like a veil that has been lifted, and you can't unsee what you have seen. God begins to give you glimpses of more of everything, inviting you to journey to go deeper with him. But just as God is real, Satan is also real. And I'm not talking about the simplistic cartoon of some dude with horns and a tail. I'm talking about the father of lies, the great deceiver, the diabolical slanderer who pushes you to doubt when you know in your heart the right thing to do. And he is not a give up, about to give up this fight either. In fact, he's doubling down because guess what? His time is limited. So he's throwing everything that he has at the world and all of us in it. And countless are being deceived as a result. But that's his job. He wants your and my destruction. He wants us to believe that abortion does not harm us individually and as a society. So please, I beg of you, pray for those who do not have the faith, the strength, the clarity of purpose that you here do. People ask me, how do you try to emulate Jesus in your own life when playing him? Well, loving my enemies, praying for those who persecute me and those who may protest me is the first place that I have to start. But remember, my dear friends, we know how the story ends. God won. He won, and Christ reminds us that he is with us until the end of the age. And that said, we need to take a quick glance into the mirror of culture 
which communicates a few concerns about where we are as a society that I'd like to propose a couple of thoughts about for your consideration, if I may. I want to speak particularly to those of you here that identify with Gen Z and even Gen Alpha. Give it up for Gen Z and Gen Alpha. You are in your formative years and at a moment in time when you have the power to change culture by impacting the culture through the raising of your powerful voices and voting with your conscience and your resources. For some time now, we have been witnesses to a mounting polarity between light and dark. We've seen it manifest itself in many facets of culture. But I would like to address it as I see it as an artist in the entertainment industry. In the last several years, there's been a sharp and disturbing increase in the darkness of the imagery being used in film, television, and music. The landscape has become increasingly sinister. And in some cases, even demonic in tone, more so than in previous years, sometimes subliminal, oftentimes overt. Storylines involving the occult, witchcraft, demons, and even satanic elements are commonplace in mainstream programming. Many feature spiritually and psychologically disturbing content. And before you jump on me, no, I'm not specifically referencing a certain bespectacled wizard, though a few folks might disagree, but I'm referring to the media which is even more ominous. And I don't need to name names. You know it when you see it. The youngest of us and the most vulnerable, as well as those who are not grounded in a solid faith in God, are susceptible to the influences of these images. Media has become a portal to behavior and attitudes kids want to emulate that reject God, reject the light, and reject ultimately all those aspects of community which give life. I have observed God subtly but radically being removed from popular culture over the last couple of decades, replaced with some of the most corruptive images and ideologies for young hearts and minds. And any of us who profess any kind of faith are branded as fundamental or condemned for their beliefs with the assertions of the religiosity of a Pharisee. This is completely contrary to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and follow his teachings. If only the rest of the world actually took the time to explore what it means to follow Jesus' heart. Yes, there are always individual exceptions, unfortunately, but for the majority of believers, God is love, and true love gives way to life, not death. They say we live in a post-Christian society. I reject that. You can reject that. Change the culture by impacting the culture. Embrace that which is bigger than you. He who gave you abundant life and he who has called you by name. Do not be afraid. 
mute the noise of the popular and embrace the counterculture of Christ's love and the message he offers you. The road is wide which leads to destruction and many will enter it. So enter through the narrow gate, my dear friends, for therein lies the kingdom of heaven. Social media sites rife with images of hypersexuality, predominantly young women who are, some of them who are major influencers, give the youngest of our digitally consuming generation the impression that that is how you're supposed to look, that this is how you're supposed to think and feel and act to get what you want, to get who you want, to be what you're supposed to be as if some fantasy of aesthetic perfection is the road to happiness. It is not. Your imperfections were perfectly designed by God in heaven. As if by objectifying yourself, you will somehow be empowered. That is an empty lie of the enemy. The only way to empower yourself is to believe in the greatness of who you are, flaws and all, the gifts you bring into this world that God freely gave you, the uniqueness of your precious life, and to share them with one another. That is your legacy. That is your power. That is who you are meant to be. And that is how you will change the world. Do not let mainstream media's shallow depictions of sexuality and sexual irresponsibility deceive you into thinking that such an approach to love and relationships is without consequences. It isn't. And this is part of the systemic issue that brings us here today. I know how difficult, difficult it can be to think differently, to swim against the current, to choose life in a culture that celebrates death. You know, standing here saying these things to you now was neither the obvious career choice nor an easy decision for me, because I've never set foot in this arena before, publicly. But ultimately, I had no choice. This guy made me do it. And I'm a better man for it. A few years ago, I made a commitment to follow the promptings of the Spirit, and I stand by it, and it's why I'm here today. So I'll leave you with a few final thoughts. We are under an assault on our sense of virtue. We're enduring an affront to the innate holiness we are all imbued with and called to and an attack on the family structure and the sacredness of the gift of life. But as ones created in the image and likeness of God, who is himself love, we are charged to be the standard bearers who defend and preserve the dignity of every human, but especially the most vulnerable, which begins with the initial stages of life and continues throughout the entire cycle from conception through that phase we all aim to enter into our golden years, followed by the final stages of our earthly existence. Nannies and pop-pops, every one of us, if we are called to it. How can you make a difference? 
Number one, pray the rosary. St. Padre Pio said the greatest weapon against the devil we have is the rosary. Try it. See for yourself. I don't need to sell it. God doesn't need me to sell anything. Secondly, examine and expose the areas of darkness in your world, in your community, in your immediate society that need your light and bring it everywhere you go. Change the culture by impacting the culture. Raise your voice, vote with your resources, financial, spiritual, and temporal. My commitment to impacting the culture as an artist is to pray I get to continue participating in telling stories like The Chosen in my upcoming film, Jesus Revolution, that shine a light on the struggles and successes of the human condition. Stories that uphold human dignity and reveal God's truth and infinite love for his people despite our inherent flaws and we are also very beautifully flawed, perhaps myself most of all. But we are not alone. He has lived as one of us, and that brings us into communion with him. By honoring the life that God gave you, by bringing your gifts to the world with love and compassion, you will be creating an environment of holiness which the most impressionable in our society will draw their examples from and to help rewire the attitudes of society's collective consciousness, steering it back towards the preservation and value of life, restoring respect for faith and true religious tolerance, and healing some of our beloved nation's wounds in the process, while hopefully planting us more deeply within God's grace. It's been an honor to be with you here. Thank you for inviting me. God bless you. As I've said, life is important. Marching for it, fighting for it, hoping for it, and of course the most important thing that all Americans showed on one night watching Monday Night Football, they prayed for it. There's still hope for America. Yes, it's kind of ironic. The Buffalo Bills didn't win. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But in the game of life, they turned out the winner because they prayed for life. They came together for life. They fought for life. At the end of the day, they may have lost the game and didn't get a chance to get to the championship. But to the people of Buffalo, to the people of America, they are champions. Champions in the game of life. I'm Mike of New York, proud follower of the Buffalo Bills online as a fan I used to play football when I was in high school something that's important to me every year I watch this team and sometimes they don't make it my eyesight is getting worse as many of you know I have a severe glaucoma and slowly my eyes are fading away I don't know if I'll ever see the Buffalo Bills make it to the Super Bowl but as far as I'm concerned seeing DeMar Hamlin standing and making a sign of hearts and thanking people for prayers and seeing the players come together and remembering that life is the most important thing. 
and hearing it said over and over again is more important. As we recap and think about all these things, we try and remember what is important in this world. We look at all of these, you know, major events, and we try and remember exactly why America chose life. Because after all, it is a country dedicated to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We don't always get there, but we try and pursue it as much as we can. Because that is what makes us champions in this world and games that we play in life. Lachai, to life. Walk for it, fight for it, defend it, always. Have a great day. I'm Mike K. Cohen, Mike of New York. God bless you. God bless these United States of America. And remember, in Jesus' name, fight for life always. Thank you for listening. Thank you.